Hi, thanks for joining us for today's message from Calvary in Lake Havasu. The Generosity Challenge continues today with a focus on legacy. We are in the book of Luke, specifically chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. You can download the Life Notes from the web at calvaryaz.com forward slash Life Notes. Now, here is guest pastor Jonathan Jarbo. Amen. Well, it's a joy uh, to be with you this afternoon. Pastor Chad is a friend. and Pastor Chad said he was the sidekick when we taught this class. He, he, all of the students flock to Pastor Chad because he's real, he's genuine, he's approachable, and he's done ministry in one place for 31 years. So uh, it, was, it was a privilege uh, to teach with him. And uh, I'm grateful to be with you tonight. As he said, I pastor an organization called the Baptist Foundation of California. And we serve Arizona, California, and Nevada. And we do three things. We do church lending. We help uh, churches do expansion through lending. Uh, We do investing for churches. Uh, We don't do individual investing, but we manage $230 million for churches in the three states here. Uh, And then we also help Christians plan for the future through biblical estate planning. And uh, tomorrow after the final service, I'm going to do an estate planning seminar. Some of you signed up for it to help you plan for the future and bless your family at the same time. Now, what I want to do is talk about legacy living together. And by the way, I want to say hello to those of you that are uh, watching online. For those that are at the Parker campus, we're, we're grateful that you've joined us. I want to talk about legacy living and what that means. Usually when we talk about legacy, it's something we say someone leaves a legacy when they leave this life. But the reality is legacy living begins now with the choices we make today. I came across a quote several years back that had a profound impact on my life. It's from a pastor back in the 1800s named Charles Spurgeon, and the quote simply said this. It said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. So let that sink in for a minute. Every Christian, so if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Now, I know we talk about missionary. A lot of us that that were raised in the church, we think of a missionary as someone that wears weird clothes and they come home from an overseas thing and they put slides up on the screen and tell us about their odd life uh, living somewhere else in the world. But Charles Spurgeon said, you're either a missionary or an imposter. What does that mean? That means you're living for Jesus as his missionary in your home, in your neighborhood, in your school, at your job, at the gym, wherever God has placed you. And Charles Spurgeon, he gave us two options, either be a missionary or be an imposter. That's legacy living, living as Christ's missionary. Now, I, I recognize we've had, we've had a handful of years of craziness. Would you all agree with that? We've had a handful of years of craziness. On top of that, there's a war going on in Europe. Now there's a war in the Middle East, and things are getting crazier. And if you watch the news in America, people are getting crazier, doing crazier things. And sometimes it seems like we're losing the battle when it when it comes to living for Jesus. And sometimes you may think about just throwing in the towel. I don't want to throw in the towel. I don't think you want to throw in the towel. Here's what I see as the good news with what's going on in our culture. The good news 
is the cultural, moral, and political shifts in our society are requiring us to either become stronger in our faith or just throw in the towel, give up, and be content living as an imposter. I don't want to live as an imposter, and I don't think you do either. That's one of the reasons you're here today, because you don't want to live as an imposter. Friends, what's taking place in our culture, and our society? It's nothing new. Just read the New Testament. I mean, we can find in the New Testament, in the first church, some of the same thing that, things that we're experiencing today. See, times have changed, but living for Jesus was costly in the first century, and it's costly today as well. Living for Jesus required significant commitment in the first century, and if you're going to be an authentic follower of Jesus today, it requires a significant level of commitment from you as well. That's called legacy living. See, casually following Jesus, that's just being an imposter. But, but legacy living requires a level of commitment and a level of obedience that I want us to examine together. So I want to read a passage for you. It's out of Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 25. And I'm going to read several verses out of Luke chapter 14. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to go there. If you use a digital device, go to Luke 14. And I want to read several verses out of Luke 14, beginning in verse 25. It says, great crowds were following Jesus. And he turned around and said to them, if you want to be my follower. Now, pause for a minute. What was Jesus saying here? He was saying, if you want to be a missionary. He was saying, if you want to practice legacy living. If you want to be my follower, you must love me more than your own father, Mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters. Yes, more than your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And you cannot be my disciple if you do not carry your own cross and follow me. And then he gives a couple examples. He says, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first getting estimates and then checking to see if there's enough money to pay the bills? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of funds. And then how everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and ran out of money before it was finished. Or what king would ever dream of going to war without first sitting down with his counselors and discussing whether his army of 10,000 is strong enough to defeat the 20,000 soldiers who are marching against him? If he's not able, then while the enemy is still far away, he'll send a delegation to discuss terms of peace. And then in verse 33, Jesus said, so no one can become my disciple without giving up everything for me. Jesus was talking about legacy living. Legacy living, by the way, is not heroic Christianity. It's basic Christianity 101. Inviting a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, to Calvary with you, that's not heroic Christianity. That's basic Christianity 101. Telling someone about the love of Jesus isn't heroic Christianity. That's basic Christianity 101. Serving Jesus with everything that you have and all that you are. 
That's not heroic Christianity. That's basic Christianity 101. In Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus has some instruction for all of us. He says, tell people about me everywhere. Where does he say to tell people about him? Everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Christ has called us, all of us, if you claim to be a follower of his, to be his missionaries to the world in which we live. That includes your home, your neighborhood, your workplace, the school, your school, your kids' school, the gym, your kids' sporting events. That's really your Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where you live. It includes being a missionary outside of your community in what Jesus called in this verse, Judea and Samaria. That's why we tell people about Jesus in various places on our continent. That's why your church partners with about 42 other thousand churches across America to plant churches all across America in places where people need the good news of Jesus. Legacy living also involves taking the gospel to places around the globe where people have never heard the name of Jesus. So what does it take for me personally to practice legacy living? What does it take for you personally to practice legacy living, to ensure that you're living as his missionary, not as an imposter? Well, let's look at our text for this morning. Let's walk through it together. Here's the first. Legacy living requires me to give up control of my life. Now, let me just pause for a minute there. Legacy living requires me to give up control of my life. I don't know about you, but I like to be in control. I like to be in control of my life. I'm sort of a control freak at times, and I want to be in control of my own destiny. Whether you're a control freak or not, I believe you still want to control your own destiny. We all want to be in control. What did Jesus say in verse 26 of the passage we read earlier? He said, if you want to be my follower... You must love me more than your own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters. Yes, more than your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Was Jesus saying we have to hate our families? No, it's not what he was saying. He was saying, however, you have to love him more than you love your family. You have to be willing to give up control of your life for the sake of the gospel, even if it means being away from your family. How many of you have been on a short-term mission trip before? A bunch of, a handful of you have been on a short-term mission trip. If you go on a short-term mission trip, especially if it's somewhere outside our country, you're going to sleep in a different place, eat different foods, be in a different culture, and most likely what you plan to do on that mission trip changed what you, when you got there. You have to be willing to give up control. You have to be willing to be away from your family for the time you're on that mission trip. Does it mean you hate your family? No, but you love Jesus, and the option of telling people about Jesus somewhere else more than you love being with your family during that season. My wife's here with me. She's sitting up here. My wife, Tammy, is sitting up here in the front. My wife, Tammy, and I have three grown kids. Our oldest and her husband are missionaries in Southeast Asia. 
They live in a country where it's illegal to proselytize. It's not illegal to be, illegal to be a Christian. There's five authorized religions in this country, and your state ID has your religion on it, and it's virtually impossible to change your state ID. If you choose to follow Jesus in this country, it's primarily a Muslim country. If you choose to follow Jesus, you will be ostracized by your family. Our kids that live there, they have a national partner. This national partner, I've met her. She's a great young lady. She came to faith in Jesus and her family treats her as if she does not exist. She's not a part of the family. They don't talk to her. She can't go to family gatherings. They treat her as if she doesn't exist because when she made the decision to follow Jesus, they ostracized her. Now, my, our kids live in this country. It's 36 hours of travel to get to them. Tammy and I were with them in July in their country. 36 hours. They live far from us. They have three of our six grandkids living in that country. Do they hate us? Well, sometimes we think they do because they took our three grandkids to another country. No, they don't hate us. They just love Jesus more than they love near, living near us. They love Jesus more than they love the conveniences that we live with here. They love Jesus and his call on their life more than they love being close to family. In many parts of the world today, this scripture gets very real. Because if you choose to follow Jesus, you'll be ostracized by your family. Treated as if you're no longer family. You'll lose your family. Jesus was saying in this passage, you must love me more than your family. For those of us that are Christ followers, our lives are not our own. And if you're not willing to give up control of your life to follow Jesus, then you're just an imposter. And you're not an authentic missionary. So I'd ask you to evaluate your own life. When it comes to giving up control, are you living as a missionary or an imposter? Paul, in, letter, in his letter to the church at Ephesus, he instructed believers to make good use of their time. He said in Ephesians 5, he said, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Do we live in evil days? Oh, yeah. This word is to us as well. Paul's saying, make the best use of your time so you can point people to Jesus. Here's the second truth I have for you this morning out of Luke 14. Legacy living requires me to let go of my resources today and tomorrow. Let go of my resources today and tomorrow. See, I'm truly a missionary for Christ when I'm able to let go of everything God has entrusted to me. Now, we let go of our resources today by giving to our local church. We give our tithes and our offerings to our local church. But we let go of our resources tomorrow through biblical estate planning. 
We plan for the future to care for our family, but also to provide for kingdom work through biblical estate planning, which is what I'll talk about tomorrow at the estate planning seminar. By the way, if uh, you didn't sign up for it and can't make it, there should be a QR code in your bulletin. If you scan that QR code, it'll take you to our website that'll help you start the process of estate planning. It'll connect you with our team that can help you do that if you're not able to be there tomorrow. As I mentioned, my daughter and son-in-law live in Southeast Asia. There are missionaries. Your church gives, and part of what you give helps support missionaries like my daughter and son-in-law in Southeast Asia. And uh, when, we, when we give, we support them. Five, six years ago, they decided to leave California and moved to Southeast Asia. They went through a bunch of training with our, with our mission sending agency. And then Tammy and I watched as they liquidated all of their worldly possessions. They sold their cars, got rid of all their furniture, all their stuff, and everything they owned. They didn't have kids at that point. Everything they owned fit in the two suitcases each of them checked and they flew to Southeast Asia with four check bags and two carry-ons and all of their worldly possessions fit in those bags. When I think about it, every once in a while I, 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 I think, wow, they're really spiritual to be able to do that. And then I read the scriptures like we're reading today and realize that's really the same level of commitment that God asks of all of us. He wants us to be willing to let go of everything he's entrusted to him, to us, to us, for his purposes. We're to let go of our resources today and tomorrow for the cause of Christ. That's legacy living. Jesus said in verse 30, 28, he said, he said, but don't begin until you count the cost. Now, you have to understand, Jesus had a large crowd following him at this point. And when he turned to the crowd and said, don't begin until you count the cost, he was trying to thin the herd. He was trying to tell people, hey, if you keep following me, it will cost you everything. If you stay with me, I'm going to ask you to give up everything really the same thing he says to us. If you're going to follow me, you have to be willing to give up everything. Now, I read it a moment ago, but let me read it again. Jesus said, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first getting estimates, then checking to see if there's enough money to pay the bills? Otherwise, he said, you'll complete the foundation, and then people will laugh at you. Say, there's the guy. There's the person that started the building and ran out of money before it was finished. Yesterday, Tammy and I were on a road less than a mile from our house. We were at a post office, and I looked out at the post office. Did you look out at it yesterday, Tammy? There's a building across the street from the post office that's about 60% done. And it's been 60% done for 10 or 15 years. It looks like it might be some kind of a restaurant with a drive-through lane. There's no asphalt. All the stucco's done. There's no windows. There's no doors. And it's, it's less than a mile from our house. It's been sitting like that for 10 or 15 years. It looks like someone ran out of money and stopped. Now, Jesus tells us this. 
He wasn't giving us construction advice here. He was talking about following him and how much it will cost you. If you choose to follow Jesus with everything you have, it will cost you everything. Everything. Some of us live with a really tight grip on our stuff. You know what I'm talking about? We live like this, and we hold it so tight, and we're not letting anybody pry our fingers open. That's exhausting to live like that. How God wants us to live is like this. With our hands open, with a loose grip on everything he's entrusted to us. And what he wants us to do is live where daily we say, God, everything I have is yours. I wonder if you'd be willing to say that with me. Would you be willing to put your hands out in front of you right now? If you are, put your hands out in front of you and let's say it together. God, everything I have is yours. Let's say it together. God, everything I have is yours. If you can learn to live like that, it will be freeing. I've lived like this. You know, my dad was a pastor. I remember as a kid, my parents, my parents gave me my allowance in coins so I could put 10 cents in my offering envelope and take it to church. Anyone else raised like that? A few of us, yeah. My parents taught me to give to the local church 10% uh, from a young age, and I did. When Tammy and I got married almost 36 years ago, we made a commitment to give to our local church, and we've been faithful to that for 36 years. But even in the midst of giving faithfully to our local church, I still live like this. You can be faithful to give to your local church and still live like this. And about 10 or 15 years ago, God began to work in my heart. And God began to teach me to live like this. And I have to tell you, it's been freeing. It's been refreshing. God's allowed Tammy and I to be a part of some really cool things because we're living with a loose grip. And when God leads us to give, most of the time we do. Not always. Most of the time we do. And it's been amazing to see God work. It's amazing to be a part of his work and to have a small part of what God is doing somewhere because we're living with a loose grip on what he has entrusted to us. So I want to ask you, when it comes to giving your resources to God, when it comes to living with a loose grip, are you living as a missionary or an imposter? Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, store your treasures in heaven where they'll never become moth-eaten or rusty, and we might add where the stock market can't crash or where interest rates can't skyrocket or you fill in the blank there. And then he said for where they'll be safe from thieves, speaking of heaven, for where your treasure is, 
there your heart and thoughts will also be. So how do you store up treasures in heaven? By using your earthly resources to get people there. Here's the third truth. If I want to practice legacy living, I have to passionately offer my skills, talents, and abilities to Jesus. Now, I know what some of you think, because I pastored the same church for 26 years. When I say offer your skills, talents, and abilities, there's a good portion of you that say, I don't have any skills, talents, or abilities Jesus wants. Here's why you say it. You say, I don't sing. I don't play an instrument. I'm not a talented musician. I don't speak in front of people like Pastor Chad, and I don't like kids, so I got nothing to offer Jesus. And it's just not true. The Bible teaches that every follower of Jesus, every follower, is uniquely gifted, talented, has skills and abilities that God wants to use to accomplish his purpose on earth through your church, Calvary, and through the larger church, Big C, worldwide. God wants you to be a part of his work. That's why in Luke 14, verses 31, 32, he talks about a king going to war. Once again, he wasn't giving military advice here. He was talking about it will cost you everything. It'll cost you your resources to follow Jesus, and it will cost you your skills, talents, and abilities to follow Jesus. I don't have any medical skills or medical training. I led a medical trip to a war-torn country in Southeast Asia about 15 or 18 years ago with a doctor, nurse, a couple paramedics. I led this team because I can administrate. I can lead. You know what I did on the team? I was the pharmacist. There were people in this village lined up for as far as we could see them to see our medical personnel, and they had all kinds of ailments, and I had a couple big suitcases we had brought from the U.S. with antibiotics and other medication, and our medical personnel would see them, and then they'd write on a little notepad for me, tell me what medication to give them, and I was just handing out drugs. I go to jail for that in the U.S. here. I, I was handing, I can count. I was handing out drugs. I didn't have great skill on this trip, but I used what I could do to fulfill God's purpose and plan on this trip. I've led a couple other mission trips to do construction work. Our kids uh, uh, on their first term in the field lived on an island in Southeast Asia um, where there was a massive earthquake that devastated the island. And I took a team for our church just a few months after that to do some relief efforts. We went to a village that had been wiped off this hill. I mean, I mean, they don't build well, and so this whole village was decimated. And we built 50 homes in a week. They were like 10 by 10 homes on stilts above, off the ground, so when the rainy season came, they would be dry. I can't build a doghouse that would stand. I, I, I couldn't build a bird. I, I built a birdhouse like in Weeblos, you know, in Boy Scouts when I was a kid. Gave it to my mom. She liked it. It was terrible. It was just terrible. But what I did on this trip is I used my skills as an administrator, as a leader, and I procured equipment. 
I procured supplies. Wood was hard to, hard to find on this island. I worked with some national partners and got the wood and the resources we needed. And while our construction team was building, I was handing them wood. I wasn't cutting it because, you know, there's measure twice, cut once. I wasn't even going to cut the wood. But I was handing them wood. I was handing them nails. I was handing them supplies. I did what I could do to help our team be successful, and we built these 50 homes in a week to get people up off the ground for the rainy season. What skills, what talents, what abilities do you have that God wants to use to accomplish his purpose right here in Lake Havasu City as a part of Calvary Church? And then let's just expand it. What skills, talents, abilities do you have that God wants to use with the big C worldwide to accomplish his purpose and his plan. Friends, all of us are uniquely skilled and talented. And whatever, whatever gifting you have, whatever you're good at, whatever your passion is, God wants it to be used in his church to accomplish his purpose to reach people with the good news of Jesus. That's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, now all of you together are Christ's body. And each one of you is a separate, and catch this, necessary part of his body. Did you catch that? Each of us is a separate but necessary part. There are no unnecessary parts in the body of Christ. As insignificant as you may feel, as untalented as you think you are, there are no unnecessary parts in the body of Christ. And if you're not serving, if you're not using your gifts and talents, abilities right here to reach people with the good news of Jesus, then the body of Christ is missing your part and your role. So let me ask in this area of using your gifts, talents, and abilities, are you living as a missionary or an imposter. So let me just make this super clear. What I'm challenging you to do today is to give up control of your life for the sake of the gospel and do whatever God asks you to do. And that might just be to be a witness to your next door neighbor. It might be to move somewhere across the globe to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So give up control of your life for the sake of the gospel. Secondly, let go of your resources today and tomorrow for the sake of the gospel. And then use your skills, talents, and abilities to accomplish his work. Listen to the last verse in our text. I read it earlier. Let me read it one more time. Jesus said, so no one can become my disciple without giving up everything for me. Legacy living requires us to give up everything for the sake of the gospel. Living as a missionary, not an imposter, requires us to give up everything for the sake of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, my prayer is that you would challenge every person here
to give up everything for you. And Father, my prayer in this moment is that you would speak to every heart, every mind, and call them to a deeper level of commitment. And Father, you know what that means for every person listening. So Father, in this moment, use your spirit to nudge their heart. Use your spirit to convict them. Use your spirit to bring to mind the next step in their journey of following you. Father, I'm grateful that every time we look at your word, you challenge us. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for challenging us through your word. Draw us closer to you. Draw us to a deeper level of commitment. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Those of you following along with the Life Notes already know that legacy living requires you to give up control of your life, let go of your resources, and offer your skills, talents, and abilities to God. I hope today's message has blessed you and encouraged you in your faith. Remember, you are loved by God, and He has a plan and a purpose for your life. I invite you to join us for our next service and continue to grow in your relationship with Him. Until next time, may God's grace and peace be with you always. Bye-bye.